today we are um, finishing our series that we started a few weeks ago called Essentials. And we've used this picture of a snow globe. It's like this whole pandemic reminds me of like somebody's grabbed the earth like it's a snow globe and just shook it, you know, just shook its brains out. And um, all the little snowflakes, all the little pieces of our lives that we kind of had tacked down where we thought they should be have been upended and they're floating through the air. And what we've been saying is before we retack everything back down the way we think it should be, let's consider what's essential. We've had that conversation, governments, nations, states, churches, families, individuals have had that conversation, what is essential? Because we all kind of realize we're dealing with limited space, so we've got to make sure that what we put back in our life is essential. It reminds me when I went on my first missions trip, and I'd never been out of the country, so I learned that a passport was essential. You know what I mean? You're not getting through customs, and you're not getting back without a passport. When I started to pack, the team leader told us, hey, you get one suitcase. And I thought, man, we're going for nine days. In this case, it was to Argentina. I don't even think I can carry everything. So how are we going to pack everything? So it really made you think, what am I going to leave out and what am I going to add? And you thought about what's absolutely essential for what I'm going to take because this is all the room I got. We were asking ourselves that as team participants But also the team was asking that question because one of the reasons the team leader limited us to one suitcase is so we could take in the tools we needed to build. It so happened we were going to a Bible college that had a few hundred students who had never owned a Bible. And we were saving space in our travel gear to take Bibles translated in Spanish so that we could give a nice good study Bible to a Bible college student in Argentina. And I thought, if you're asking me which one's more important for me to take more, a, a greater variety of a change of clothes or a Bible and give it to a ministry student who's never owned one, well, it's easy to see what's essential, isn't it? But in this scenario that we're in, it's a little bit harder to see. And so that whole, this whole series has been about trying just us talking about what really is essential. We've narrowed it down to five things. And I just want to highlight them again this morning. This is where we've been. God's grace is essential because it is our identity. That's where we get our identity uh, as new covenant believers. God's um, spirit is essential. That's where our sense of life and renewal comes from. God's mission is essential because it is the purpose for all believers while we were on this earth. Last week, Pastor Mark shared with you God's word is essential because it's how we become mature. You're not going to become mature without the word of God. And now today, we're going to end by saying God's people are essential Because it's where we get our community from. Now, of all the ones, if we're just going to be honest, of all the five, you say, definitely the first four. But that fifth one, I don't know. I'm busy. I have a full life. I have a lot going on. I have a lot of Facebook friends. You know, probably everybody in the room has more than 100 Facebook friends. Probably hundreds. Some of you have thousands. Some of you are are busy. You have a lot of them. 
And the tendency is to back away and say, "Mm, I'm okay there. I don't think that's really essential. But just because you have a lot of relationships or a lot of people that you know their name, it doesn't mean that they are essential people. The people of God are essential. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. So uh, this is the hardest truth, I think, of the five for us to kind of gather because of the American culture. As Americans, we tend to be individualist. And we tend to be less aware of our need of community. And therefore, less aware of our need of God's people as a reality in our life. So we tend to be friendly but not connected. We tend to be involved but not committed. But what you have to understand is what the church is, what God's people are. The church is not an organization. It's not... It's not a, a, a denomination. It's not a company. It's not a nonprofit. It's not a charity. It's not a club. It's not a fraternity. It's not a civic organization. It's not a volunteer organization. The church is people. And if you redefine it as anything else, you're going to have a gross misunderstanding of God's purpose for the church, and that is for Jesus to redeem for himself a pure bride that will exist with him for eternity. And if you make it look, I I, I was reminded again firsthand, there were months our campus was closed, and I walked through this building when it was empty, and let me tell you, it's a little creepy. You know why? Because you're not here. And you know what you bring? The people of God with you. This building is not the people of God. This building is not the church. This campus is not the church. We can do church a lot of places. We don't have to do it here. Because the church is the, is the people. Those of you who are watching online, if you're a believer, the church is you. you, you it, it's in the people. So church is not just people, it's God's people. So not all people are the church, but God's people are the church. So what are we talking about this morning? Let me just throw some biblical language at you. We're talking about the people of God, the citizens of heaven, the children of God, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a chosen people, saints, brothers and sisters, disciples, the church of Jesus, the bride of Christ. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about uh, some kind of club or organization. A community of faith. When Jesus was on earth, it's the community of faith that he sought to build, and it was part of his plan to redeem the world through that community of faith. And that's who God's people are, and God's people as a result are absolutely essential. Now, let me give you four reasons this morning why God's people are essential. If you're taking notes, and if you want to go to heaven, you have to take notes. Joking. You don't really... Number one, God's people walk with each other. So here's what's um, incredible. When Jesus came to earth and he started his um, earthly ministry, before he started it, he did something. He gathered 12 people. Before he launched out, he wasn't saying, just me and the Father, that's all I need. He gathered 12. Let's call them for lack of better terms, his small group. Jesus had a small group. 
And he gathered them, and Jesus, as he's gathering them, I'm just imagining how this might have happened. I'm not saying this is what the Bible says. I'm imagining how it might have happened. It is exactly how it would have happened if any of the disciples would have been American. Jesus goes to the apostle Peter before he's the apostle Peter, and he calls him and says, Hey, listen, I know you're a fisherman, but i got a better way to live. Like, I am the answer, I am eternal life, there is a way to heaven, I've come to show the way, I've come to die, the whole thing. And the Apostle Peter says, and he says to him, what I want you to do is stop fishing, leave your career, leave your um, familiar surroundings, leave the people you're, and come and follow me. And something in that exchange was so powerful that the Apostle Peter said, I'm in. I'll follow you. And I can imagine in his mind, he's thinking, this is awesome. I found the answer to life. Just me and you, Jesus, we're good. And about six steps into the journey, Jesus says, hey, let me introduce you to some people. Here's Matthew, Mark, John, Thomas. And he's like, who are these people? I don't care about, I don't care about them. I'm not following them. I'm following you. And I can imagine that moment when reality set in, when Jesus just looks at him and says, it's not about me and you, it's about me and you and them. If you're going to follow me, you're going to walk with them. I didn't sign up for that. Yeah, you did. You just didn't know it. And let me share a truth with you this morning that I want you to remember. No one walks with Jesus alone. No one walks with Jesus alone because God's people are essential. If, you, if, you are, if, if your mentality is just me and Jesus, you know that's all I need, me and the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to say, you're not following the Jesus in the New Testament, you're following a Jesus that somebody else made up. Because you can't look at the New Testament and interpret it through an individualistic lens. You have to look at the New Testament and interpret it as it was written through a community lens. And it's not just about this vertical connection. It's also about this horizontal connection. And if you take out either one, you, if you take out this one, you don't have a church, you have a club. If you take out this one, you don't have any depth. You might have a cult if you take out this one. You might have something else. Life is intended to be shared. Since I've uh, been here at Kingwood, I've probably led seven, seven or eight, six or seven or eight discipleship groups. And uh, in those discipleship groups, we learned early on the best way to lead them was to take a set group of people, go on a journey together, and do it for a year. And when you tell them that, they're like, a year? I might could do a month, you know? I might could do a couple months. No, no, if you can't do a year... Don't come. We're not doing it. And you know what I learned? The reason a year is a good time, because you go through all four seasons, you go through all the holidays, it's enough time for a lot of life to happen. In those um, groups, I saw that there were you know, marriage problems and problems with kids and problems at home and problems at work and there was cancer and there was sickness and there was tragedy and there was job loss and Man, a, a year cycle gives you enough time to walk together 
through the issues of life. And that's why God's people are essential because God's people, man, we walk with each other through these things. I am who I am because for the last 11 years, I have walked with God's people in this church. And I wouldn't be who I would am today. And that's why at Kingwood we say a lot of times, life's better together. Why? Why? Why live alone when you don't have to live alone? And why count something as non-essential that is actually essential? Number two, why are God's people essential? God's people heal each other. Now, listen, I don't mean that somebody's got a wand, okay, and they go around tapping people on the head and they all get better. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is um, God has these tools of healing, okay? It's his presence, it's his love, and it's his grace. And those tools of healing are dispensed through God's people to each other. To each other. And so what God does oftentimes when you have a hurt, when you have a wound, is the body of Christ, God's people, sort of absorb you. (laughs) And they help to embrace some of that pain and to soften the blow of life because everybody has issues. In God's family, in God's people, there are counselors and comforters and teachers and and prayer warriors and friends and grandmas and grandpas and mentors and people who will do the journey with you. And when you wrap in that kind of spiritual community, the presence of God is alive and active in those relationships. And healing flows through them. Look... Everybody experiences loss sometimes. You you lose a loved one, you lose a marriage, you lose a job, you lose a dream. Everybody if you live if you haven't experienced a, a loss yet, it only means you haven't lived long enough. Because you will. And when you experience a loss, you are confronted with something called grief. And how well you you embrace grief is going to have everything to do with how well you heal. And, and what happens is, in grief, there, are, there is a place of grief that you get to when you lose something that you don't need somebody to fix you. You don't need somebody to bring you a word. You don't need somebody to try to repair the situation. What you need is someone to sit with you and to say, I hate this, and I'm sorry. And I wish it wasn't this way. And I'm not going to try to fix it. And I'm not going to try to fix you. I'm just going to sit here with you. And I'm going to be with you in it. And what happens when one of God's people comes up and embraces you that way, the process starts to move. And healing starts to happen. I was reminded last year by a dear Christian friend at a very difficult time in my life. Here's what my friend said to me. They said, "Uh, you know... Sometimes sadness is the exact appropriate emotion to feel because some things in life are sad. Doesn't that sound simple? It sounds like we just went to kids' church. But when you're in it, it's brilliant. And that was a healing thought for me. For somebody to come along, one of God's people to come along and give me permission to not fix the sadness, but to say, you know what? It's okay to be sad because what's happening is not good. It's sad. 
And it's okay to feel that. So God's people heal one another when we lose something. God's people heal each other when we're stuck in our past wounds. Wounds, things that have happened in the past that you thought are gone, that you thought are separated. God's people help you surface those things and to heal those. God's people help us to heal, watch this, when we sin. Anybody sin? Anybody besides me sin still? Yes. You know what you need when you sin? You, you, need, you need restoration and healing. And you know who delivers that grace and that healing to you? It's the people of God. It's some people to come along and say, hey, God, God forgives you for this. It's okay. You're going to be okay. You're going to make it. This isn't the end. God still loves you. Somebody dispenses that. So look at James chapter 5, 16. Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Here it is again. That you may be, come on, say it. Healed. That you might be healed. Do you see? Healing is, God is the source of healing. But he dispenses his presence across his people and the presence of God moves through the people of God and like, like, a, like a car wash, it just washes and cleans and heals. That's what God's people do. God's presence moves through God's people to heal. Look, you've heard this before. Hurt people hurt people. Hey, I can testify. Get in line. I've seen it. Like I've been on the front row. But let me tell you another truth that we don't say often enough. Healed people heal people. And let me tell you, when you're hurt, what you need to do is get up close to one of God's people that's been healed from something and let his presence flow through them into you. Because that's, that's how healing flows. Number three, God's people grow each other. No one fulfills their potential alone. God's people equip and challenge each other. And from God's people, we get a clearer picture of who God is and who we are. Like that clarity comes through God's people. No one of us has all the gifts. You don't have all the gifts, I don't have all the gifts. But as you use your gifts and I use my gifts and I deposit something in each one of you as I move along and you come along and deposit each one, the whole body gets stronger because we grow each other. No, no one of us is complete. We are the body of Jesus together, not separately. But when you put the body together, man, there's strength and growth and maturity. And that's the exact vision that we see in Ephesians 4. I find in this area, we tend to miss it in two places when we count the body of Christ as non-essential and it affects our growth. The first place that we tend to miss it in relation to our growth is we resist growth. You and I, I'm convinced after being a pastor for a few decades, you and I, our tendency is to resist growth. You know why? Growth, well, sometimes it hurts. It's at least uncomfortable. And we resist it. We tend to sideline, move around it. We do what Jesus does when he got the cup. He said, is there another way? Because <laughs> I don't want to go through this. I don't want to do this. Because growth is not exciting. It's not the day where I'm going, oh, yay, isn't this the greatest moment you ever lived? No, this feels like the worst moment. But it's the Holy Spirit leading Jesus into the desert to be tempted. Because he needed that 
pathway. He needed that process before he was ready to be the Messiah. And you and I got a path and we got a process and you and I tend to resist growth because it makes us uncomfortable. And if the Holy Spirit is moving in your life and he's working on you to grow you, if you disengage from God's people, you say, that's it, I'm changing churches. Let me go over to this church. It feels better. You will, you will handicap the work of God in your life. You're actually working against what he's trying to do. The best thing you can do in that moment is stay engaged with God's people because it's when you rub up against God's people and those gifts coming at you from other directions and they challenge you and encourage you and hold you accountable, that's what happens. You grow. You grow through that process. The, the other area that I find that we miss it is sometimes our intuition is wrong. Sometimes our intuition is wrong. Sometimes there's a moment that feels right, it seems right. You may even have convinced yourself the Holy Spirit has told you to do it, but it can still be wrong because your intuition is misleading you. Everybody's in, nobody's intuition is perfect. So everybody has this gut feeling. And in order to grow, there's going to be moments you have to go against everything that feels right to you in order to grow. So, I, 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 look, uh, there's a lot of kind of country roads around here. I'm sure you've had this experience. You're driving down the highway. There's a squirrel sitting just on the boundary line of the road. And you say, I'm going 60. This squirrel, I don't know how fast a squirrel can run, two, four, eight, whatever. I'm closing on this thing. He's two inches from being off the road and getting into the woods. And you say, this is a no-brainer. Just turn around and get in the woods. And what, how many of you know what the squirrel does? He will run across four lanes of traffic to the other side to get away from you. He will turn back into your path to get away. Because in the moment of pressure, and then you hear, ba bump he gone. <laughs> you know what I mean? You go, I tried. Like, I tried to avoid him. But this squirrel in a moment of pressure, in a moment of panic, in a moment of following his gut and his intuition, he went exactly the wrong way. Do you know what a lot of pastoring is? It's watching people cut right underneath the tire. And to say, please don't do this. Please don't do this. I'm asking you not to do this. I'm begging you not to do this. I'm showing you from the Bible not to do this. I'm loving you. I'm encouraging you. I'm, I'm doing everything I can do. I'm begging. Please don't make this decision. Please don't go this direction. Please don't think this way. Please don't let this set in on you. That's what a lot of pastoring is. And it's watching people, despite everything that you put around them, the highway noise, the sound, the 60 miles an hour, the horn honking, they'll cut right under the tire. And you go, well, scrape them up. You know, maybe God can reinflate them. <laughs> They're flat. I've ran under a few tires myself. And when I've done it, I've tended to have the mentality that it's just me and the Holy Spirit. I don't need to hear from anybody else. That's when I've tended to do it. Because God's people are essential for our growth because God's people are the filter that God uses to help us discern his voice and get a more accurate picture of who he is and who we are.
And you cannot get all of that by yourself. This is exactly what Ephesians 4 talks about. And in Proverbs 27, uh, 17, Solomon wrote about it years ago. He said, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Since I was a young believer, I have walked deeply engaged in the church. About 15, 16 years old, I've been deeply engaged since that time till now. And this week what I wanted to do as I thought about this point is I sat down and I said, I, I want to I do something I've never done in my decades of Christian faith and walking with God and walking with His people. I've never tried to identify what are all the things that I've learned from God's people. What have God's people taught me? What have I gained? And um, how, how has that helped me grow? And so I, I wrote that down. And here's, what I, here's what I, the list I got. I learn from God's people who I am and who I'm not. I learn my strengths and my weaknesses. I learn about my calling, my purpose, and my potential. I learned about healthy relationships and healthy self-esteem, what it looks like. I learned how to treat women. I didn't grow up in an environment where uh, women were valued properly, and I, I learned that from God's people. I learned about the proper use of authority. I learned how to resolve conflicts and effective ways to communicate and what it means to serve. I learned about who God is and I learned about the evil of racism and the evil of legalism. God's people taught me that. I learned what it really means to be blessed by God. I learned what my spiritual authority in Christ actually is. I learned about the deceitfulness and damage of sin, how to manage money and time the power of God's love and grace, the need for grief and, work, and, and healing, the lie of workaholism and spiritual strength of rest, the necessity of personal and spiritual growth, the value of godly wisdom. <laughs> I learned how to read the Bible and pray. And I learned what a blessing a daily walk with God is. And, I, and as I made the list, I just stopped and backed away from my computer, and I started to cry. I did what I'm doing now, and I was so moved. And I said, God, you've blessed me so much through your people. Your people are essential. I wouldn't have these things in my life without God's people. And you won't either. You'll have some of them, but you won't have all of them. And you won't be who you are, and I wouldn't be who I am. God's people are essential. If you're not growing spiritually, I can tell you why you're not. You have moved too far away from the church. You've moved too far away from God's people. You're too disengaged. Should I say it? Maybe you've begun to count God's people as a non-essential. Maybe you begin to buy into a churchless Christianity. I can tell you this, if God's people are not essential to you, you will become a spiritual consumer. I say that with absolute conviction after decades of ministry. If God's people are optional, if God's people are non-essential, you will become, you will be a spiritual consumer. And you'll never have the roots and you'll never have the depth. God's people help you grow. And as a Christian, you are God's plan to help other people grow. And you're not growing without God's people and they're not growing without you. So we got to, this is the time, man. 
before the flakes hit the ground. We've got to get it clear. We've got to get clear in our mind. What matters? What matters? And I'm telling you, God's people matter. Number four, God's people encourage each other. Everybody's got days, everybody's got moments where you feel like, man, I don't know if I can go another step. Everybody, everybody has them. I don't know, I don't know, I'm tired, I'm weary, I'm discouraged, I'm frustrated, I'm lonely, I'm sad, I'm overwhelmed. Everybody has days, everybody has those days. Hebrews 2, 3, 12 through 13 says, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a single, un, a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Watch this. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You and I are most likely to blow our lives up and walk away from God in the heat of discouragement. We're most likely to do something we regret or we can't change or something permanent or something foolish. And by the way, that's what COVID-19 is. We're all in the middle of it. So right now, God's people need encouragement. We need encouragement. And we need to encourage each other. And we need to be a fountain of encouragement because encouragement strengthens faith and, and softens our hearts. We don't need our hearts to get hardened right now. We don't need our faith to get weak. And encouragement is the fuel, Hebrews says, that helps with those. So where are we going to get this kind of encouragement from? Let me tell you where you're not going to get it. You're not going to get it on college football Saturday. You're not going to get it at the ball field. You're not going to get it at Little League. You're not going to get it at work. You're not going to get it at the local bar. You're not going to get it at a club. You're not going to get it uh, on the internet. You're not going to social media yourself and political commentary yourself into it. If it's essential, where are you going to get these essential elements that only God's people in? Well, let me give you three places that I know of. The, the church. Like you've gathered today with the saints. You've gathered with the children of God. You've got, whether you're online or in person, you've gathered today. And that's where you're going to get the essential. You get it also in groups and you get it in teams. When you get down into a small group, you get down into a team and you serve with people, you get to know them and iron starts to sharpen iron and the essential work of God strengthens in your life because God has made a choice to limit a lot of his work to the funnel of the people of God. It's coming through his people. Just the way he does it. I don't know why. We'll get to heaven and we'll ask. But for now, that's how it is. And so here's what I want to say to you today, okay? Today we've gathered together with the people of Jesus, and isn't it good? Isn't it good to be with God's people? Man, I've been worse places. In, in the, among his people, there's healing and encouragement and strength and life and peace. And so I want to ask you to stand with me this morning, and we're going to have a word of prayer. We're going to sing one last song. If you're watching online today, here's what I want to say to you, and I want to say to all those of you in the room. If you need encouragement, if you need healing, you've gathered with God's people, even though you've gathered online, maybe you're sick, maybe you're quarantined, maybe you're out of town, maybe you, you can't make it this far, but you know what? You've gathered best as you can. 
And I want to tell you, you've gathered with the people of God who are going to pray for you today. So here's what I want you to do. If you need encouragement or healing, I want you to go to the comment section and just put, please pray for me, or I need prayer. Our prayer team is standing by, and they're going to pray for you. For all of us in the room, would you just close your eyes for a minute? Let's be still for a minute, okay? And as our prayer team is ministering online, we'll all pray together in a minute with every eye closed and your heart open. Today, if you say, you know what, if I'm honest, I need encouragement. (laughs) I'm discouraged today. I need healing. It might be emotional, it might be mental, it might be physical, it might be relational, but today I need healing. With every eye closed, would you just simply lift your hand and say, today I need encouragement, today I need healing. Just lift it up. You're among God's people today. Yeah, just, it's okay, man. It's a good confession. It's, a good, it's not a confession that you're, there's something wrong with your faith. It's a confession that you need what only Jesus can give. And so we're going to begin to pray. Everybody in the room, all of God's people, would you just begin to pray? Would you begin to pray right now? And let's just let the presence of the Holy Spirit move through His people online. Let the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, today we pray that through Your people, Lord, as we've gathered together today, that You would lift. God, that You would lift depression. That You would lift discouragement. That You would lift weariness. God, you would lift loneliness. God, we pray today that you would encourage your people and let a fresh breath of the Holy Spirit breathe life in this room. And Lord, we pray that you would heal. Let a healing travel through your people now. God, let a healing move and restoration and forgiveness, confession of sin. God, heal today and restore and recover. As we sing this song, God of Revival, I want your prayer to be, God, do this through us today. Do this revival work through us today. Do this revival work as we've gathered together to meet you here. Come on, let's sing this song today, God of Revival.